0: Hello, my name is Sue Polydora, and this is American Sunshine.
1: Hi, I'm Jay Lucas, and welcome to American Sunshine, the podcast, where we focus on inspirational stories, uh, the power of the human spirit, and the revitalization of those great communities and towns all across New Hampshire and really all across our our wonderful uh, country of America. And uh, I'm so delighted today to uh, be joined by uh, just a, a great patriot and a friend and a fellow uh, resident here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, but my good friend, uh, Sue Polidora. Sue, welcome to American Sunshine.
0: Hi, uh, I'm glad to be here. Nice, nice to be invited to, uh, to your podcast.
1: Well, I think we're going to have a wonderful conversation because um, you're so knowledgeable you know, one of the things I want to get to uh, in, in, as part of this conversation is your great knowledge of the history of Portsmouth, particularly our role in the Revolutionary War. But, but I also there's just, a, I think, a, a very uh, important personal story about Sue Polidura. And uh, I don't know that everyone knows that uh, you were you're actually I'd love to cover this a little bit because your your journey to Portsmouth started uh, in Puerto Rico. And maybe you can just walk us through how growing up there, and then your service in the Air Force, and how you how you got to uh, how you got to Portsmouth, New Hampshire.
0: Well, um, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, and ever since I, you know, being a little girl, I always wanted to be part of the military. There was something about the uniforms. I just, I just kind of love being in that environment, and uh, so growing up. I just make sure that I learn as much English as I could, and, uh, which later on I found out that even that wasn't enough. <laughs> uh, but uh, when I graduated uh, high school, I couldn't go into the military right away, so I ended up at, um, I, I went for a year at the College of the Sacred Heart in Puerto Rico. I got a scholarship to go there, and afterwards I just decided to join. And um, from then, I went to Lackland Air Force Base in Texas.
1: Wow! Um, was it, had you had you at that point in your life? Had you been from Puerto Rico to the mainland ever before? Not at all. First experience.
0: None at all. That at all. was my first time ever, wow. and I, to this day, I'm not sure how I did it. All I know is that I thanked the good Lord and I said, "This could only have been by your by your grace," because I don't know how I did this. Um,
1: that's but, that's you know, huge. What a what a what a culture shift. What a that must have been such a a, a major step for you growing up. And did you grow up in San Juan or just outside San Juan? Where, it, where did you just grow up?
0: outside San Juan is a very large city. is very congested there. So there were many things that I did not experience living down there in the poor neighborhoods. Uh, going out to even just going to the airport to pick up someone was a was a treat. Going to the store to see her was a treat. Yeah. Uh, but I just knew that I that I belong. It's almost like I knew that I belong someplace else. And yep. I said, "Well, that's my first step. I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna do this." And um, from there, I, going into Texas, living in Puerto Rico all this years. It was September and it was very hot and humid. So hot and humid. that I, I don't I remember ever experiencing that in Puerto Rico. Oh, we
1: wow, were not,
0: wow. uh, they gave us all salt tablets. And I, my English was very, very bad at the time. And I couldn't figure out why that was, why they would give us salt tablets for. So I declined it. And I said, I'm from Puerto Rico. I don't need that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> Then we went out and we did what we, you know, the the, uh, the group had to do for the whole day. And I would come back and I would be drenched in sweat.
1: Oh, it and must have like, been something, yeah.
0: I never experienced that kind of humidity before. And I'm like, I, I'm born and raised in Puerto Rico. And over here, I'm like, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> so... um but everything went well, and then after that, I got I went to uh, Chicago, Tinood Air Force Base in Chicago, to uh, uh, learn my skill, which was to uh, work with the survival equipment on the different planes and maintain crew issued equipment and all those kind of things. And that was my first winter in the United States. I was
1: going to say, that's probably the first time you ever saw snow, right? Ever saw
0: snow in Chicago, Illinois.
1: Snow in Chicago and that wind. Oh, my goodness.
0: I'd never seen anything like it. Up until that time, I had the vision that you see on television of snow. Is nice so snowflakes,
1: fluffy you know, flakes, very nice. I,
0: just, I don't see people falling in the snow. I had no idea how slippery <laughs> it was until I <laughs> fell several times. Um, then I got orders, and the first uh, after I graduated, and the first thing I did when I got my orders was to look up in the map where Portsmouth, New Hampshire, was.
1: Ooh, yeah!
0: I have no idea. You know, for and people growing up in Puerto Rico, sure. you know, you know New York, you know Florida, you know California, uh, everything else is pretty much you have no idea, right? Especially right. a place this far north. Uh, I thought it was Canada, to be honest with you. And I'm like, so, okay.
1: so you arrived in Portsmouth, right? At at Pease Air Force Base.
0: At Pease Air Base. And uh, it was January. I remember that. Oh
1: my goodness!
0: To another really cold place, and um, but I was driving. I, I landed at uh, Logan Airport, and then I got on the limousine. The CNJ limo was running in those days, and was uh, nothing but an oversized uh, station wagon that they put your their, their luggage on top. Uh, and from then. I remember the I remember the ride to Peace Air Base and you see all these places. Revere and even I had learned about all of this, uh, who Paul Revere was even back then. And I just felt such a sense of history just coming through all of those places that sure. I read about. Um, so I came to Peace, I was there for four years and after I got out of the Air Force I decided that well I'm just going to stay around for a few months and see what's, what's next. And four months turned out into uh, years and and years into decades. And, <laughs> and you're still here. And I'm still here. Every year for the first 30 years, I said, this is my last winter here. And after that, after 30 years, I decided, you know, I better stop talking about it.
1: Well, and you I know that you care so much about our state. You've been involved in politics. You've run for the State Senate. You've done amazing things. But you also have this real curiosity about the history. There's something about the history that uh, has really, I think, intrigued you. How did that start? And and how did and how did you become so knowledgeable about the Revolutionary War and uh, Portsmouth's role and, and all of that, uh, Sue? So. Uh, well, I
0: always liked history, but at growing up and in school, I always liked ancient history, not modern. I found modern history was very boring to me in those days. And um, so back in the 2010, 2008, something like that, I can remember, I became very involved in learning about the U.S. Constitution and what it said. And the next step uh, after learning about the constitution was to find out who uh, were the men involved in signing it, particularly for New Hampshire, because this is now, is my, my state is my, it's my home. I lived here longer than I lived in Puerto Rico. So this is my home. And right. I wanted to find out where those men were that signed this document. And I started doing a little bit of research and I found that their graves were about, a mile and a half from where I have lived most of my adult life. And I didn't even know they were there. Uh, I felt very, uh, with a sense of discovery, but the the area uh, where they are buried, the North Cemetery, when I first went there, it looked so run down and and, and the grass was up to my knee. Uh, I decided to I went to the city council. I told them I was there. I just pretty much uh, raised an awareness about maintaining that place, and it's it. They have done a good job of maintaining it ever since. But one thing just leads to another when you're becoming uh, interested in history. One thing you learn, one thing, and then it leads you to something. You keep else. getting
1: interested, in the, yeah, and yeah, it's almost continues.
0: like it, it's almost like being a detective.
1: That's you, right.
0: You follow the leads. You follow and, the
1: lead wherever it takes you. <laughs> yes,
0: and I have got uh, little uh, write-ups that appear on the New Hampshire Gazette. I think I have read all of the issues of the New Hampshire Gazette from 240 years ago.
1: Oh my gosh. Uh,
0: and they have little snippets in there that are in it in it of itself, uh, like a door that tells you wait a minute, what is going, what's going on in there? You know, this is, it made sense for them at the time, but it doesn't mean anything to me uh, these days. Like the story about the fire uh, over at Falmouth, Maine, which was Portland, Maine at the time in 1775. Um, it, It is one of the things I did not know about and just learning about that fire and sure. I learn then I learned about uh, a mystery ship that came to Portsmouth and because they were lost and the preparation that Portsmouth had at the time uh, because they were afraid that there would be they were on the list of towns to be burned by the British fleet so and then you just find out what else what else what else and and, and it just goes from one thing to the next to the next. Just follow the lead and you will find all this information that you did not know. It's almost like being a detective.
1: So so, 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 one of the things I, I find really intriguing is um, this, what I'll call the Battle of Portsmouth. But the idea that uh, Lexington and Concord were the first uh, battles of the Revolutionary War. The truth is, maybe it's Portsmouth really has that claim, right? And how did you find that out? And just tell us a little bit about that the battle at Fort William and Mary, which is now Fort Constitution, right here in Portsmouth, four months before Lexington and Concord.
0: People have been making that case, um, come to find out. I have been making that case for 100 years. I have write-ups from different historians in the state that have made that very case, that the first overt action of the American Revolution happened for William and Mary. And the story there goes that uh, they were getting ready to embargo all uh, ammunitions and gunpowder from, from the colonies. And Portsmouth, the Sons of Liberty in Portsmouth, Received a word of intelligence from the Sons of Liberty in Massachusetts, in Boston, that the the fort was going to be reinforced, and the Paul Revere brought that that piece of intelligence to Portsmouth on December the thirteenth, uh, seventeen seventy four, mm-hmm. and so the Sons of Liberty decided that they needed to move in order to get whatever ammunition was at the fort. They needed to move right away, and that's what they did over the course of two nights. The first night they took whatever they could carry. There were about four hundred men that just surrounded the very uh, they they have not reinforced the castle because they were not expecting trouble. So there was only a handful of men in there, but they actually fired upon the crowd that was that was surrounding the castle. Um, and I'm not sure I heard somebody say that they, they think that they actually, some people were wounded, but I have not been able to confirm that. I'm still looking into, uh, see if any of the reports from the era could confirm that.
1: But, but so what, what, what boggles my mind and, and just, uh, well, first of all, I love the term sons of Liberty, which just says that, that we have these people in New Hampshire and in Boston who really cared about freedom and, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they they named themselves the Sons of Liberty and the idea that there were 400 uh, people who showed up at this fort to uh, make sure that the uh, munitions were not taken by the British soldiers I, I just it just boggles my mind is that you know it, it just makes me very proud of the people in New Hampshire who stood up and really wanted to protect their freedom
0: right in, in those days they the the government which was run by the monarchy didn't see it that way um, but uh, they, they managed to move. And there were, um, there were men that were pretty well known in the city. John Landon led, led the charge for the takeover on the first night. It happened over two nights. Um,
1: and John he, Langdon's house is still here mm-hmm. uh, in Portsmouth. He became a very house.
0: prominent man, a very important man in the history of New Hampshire. And most people don't even know who he is.
1: Well, he became a governor, right? He became this- a
0: governor. He was a governor several times, actually. And he was the first senator that was elected uh, after the, uh, the 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 U.S. Constitution was uh, voted on in New Hampshire. New Hampshire was the very last state that was needed to activate the U.S. Constitution. And John Landon was... Uh, governor at the time, and he was very instrumental in getting that U.S. Constitution ratified in New Hampshire. So after I, the, I Const- remember
1: I remember that story. It's a great story. New Hampshire put it put us over the top. I think we were, right uh, there and were 13, now, vo- 13 colonies, and I think we needed nine, nine. To, uh, and we were number nine. Right, it was fantastic.
0: So after the the Constitution was ratified, the first thing that they needed to do was to elect the representatives for New Hampshire and um john landon was one of the first senators for new hampshire
1: that's terrific and
0: he you know resigned being the governor and he was appointed senator but it, it was even more important than that when he went to uh, when he went to serve that those days the capital was in new york their first charge was to elect the president of the united states and john landon was elected uh, the president pro temp of the Senate, which at the time was the only body, repre- uh, uh, representative body that was gathering in, uh, in the seat of the federal government, which in that time was New York City. Um, he was the one that led the vote to elect George Washington, and wow. he was the one that notified Washington that he had been elected.
1: That's so wonderful. Hey, and Sue, we, you and I had a conversation recently about William Whipple. Right. Um, please, please tell us, share with the listeners about William Whipple and, uh, and in particular, what, not only what he did, but he planted a tree. And oh. I, I, I find that fantastic that that tree right. is Will, in existence.
0: William Whipple was uh, as many men from New Hampshire uh, were, where was a captain. He was a, uh, um, Owner of ships and what have you, he made his living of the sea. Very prominent man in Portsmouth, along with Langdon, and so the the Provincial Assembly elected him to and and two others to uh, go and represent New Hampshire uh, to to the Second Continental Congress. So he ended up being the signer of the Declaration of Independence. Upon his uh, Departure from Philadelphia, he grabbed some horse chestnuts and brought them with him, and planted them outside of his window, uh, in uh, the Moffat Lad house where he where he lived. He married Catherine Moffat, and went to live there with you know John Moffat, who was uh, the uh, her father and a uh, very wealthy man in town. Uh, the tree was planted, and is still there. Uh, after uh, all these years, and I, I, I can't wait. When I go by, I'm like, he probably looked at his bedroom window and saw that tree was doing well, and he is, and he will feel like, yeah, the, the 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 republic is blossoming, or uh, we're growing. It was an, uh, uh, a memorial for him.
1: Oh, but 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 uh, Sue, I, I went past that tree over the weekend. Yeah. That tree is a, it's a gorgeous, I mean, it's a majestic tree. It's like the most yeah. awesome tree.
0: It's enormous. And,
1: and, and it is. You said it's a chestnut. You said that. that,
0: that he, it's a horse chestnut tree. And the, the people that own the house, the organization is the Colonial Dames. And they treat, they were very, very careful with that tree. It's 244 years old.
1: Well, you know, I, so for our listeners, if, if you get a chance in Portsmouth, it's, it's very easy to find. It's right on Market Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply as you as you come into the entrance to the city, it's, it's right there. And it's definitely worth – it is – I'm excited about the tree. So that is one heck of a tree. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and I love it. And, and also, you know, I, I, hats off to you because you, you put together, I thought, a wonderful um, ceremony – on July 4th, with the reading of the Declaration of Independence uh, in front of uh, the old North Church building in in Market Square. And um, what many people don't know is that it was literally only 14 days after uh, July 4th uh, in 1776 when the declaration was signed that there was a reading of that uh, declaration right in the same spot where you organized the reading uh, this July 4th.
0: Right. At the state house... The state house in Portsmouth, which used to be very near where the uh, nearby where the North Church was, uh, in those days Portsmouth was the cap- was the capital of New Hampshire. So a state house was built to accommodate having their meetings and what have you. It is from the same state house building from the portico of that state house building that George Washington greeted the people from Portsmouth when he visited in 1789.
1: That's so historic. Mm -hmm. And then you told me one other thing that I thought was, that I didn't know actually, and I I think is really interesting, is that uh, there was a time during the revolution that uh, Boston Harbor was closed and that Portsmouth really became the, a major, the, the major port on the on the uh, on the east coast uh, for for um, for trade, and for for and the French ships came into uh, Portsmouth very frequently at that time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, several uh, ships were sent by uh, the Marquis de Beaumarchais and uh, they chose Portsmouth because you can, do you, you have a way of of. If there's another vessel outside of the port, they really can't see what ships are there. Uh, and at that time, France, France did not want to make it known that they were with the Americans or they were helping uh, the um, the Revolutionary War at all. They wanted to keep this very much from being an issue with the British. Uh, so Portsmouth, you know, if, if, from here, they... they took whatever armament came in those ships, and they had a a way of moving them out to wherever they needed to go. Um, So I, I know at least four or five ships that came in with supplies during that era, and with volunteers. Many of the volunteers that came from France came through the port of Portsmouth.
1: That's it. Portsmouth has just played, Portsmouth and New Hampshire have played such an important role in the history of the United States. And what's what I also find amazing is that, so there you were uh, growing up in Puerto Rico, just outside San Juan. And did you ever think that you'd be one of the most knowledgeable people about the history of Portsmouth, New Hampshire when you were growing up? I had no uh,
0: idea what, <laughs> where Portsmouth, New Hampshire was.
1: Well, I'm so proud of you. because I have
0: no idea what New Hampshire was.
1: <laughs> well, and you, you, you represent us so well because uh, you know so much more about our history than so many people. And uh, I just think that's a great tribute. And, uh, and, and thank you for your service, Sue. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: uh, I, I, I'm so in awe of what you've been able to achieve. And I know you're going to achieve so much more. But um, well, and I also want to say thank you for being part of American Sunshine, the podcast. It's been a really wonderful conversation.
0: Well, thank you so very much for having me, and uh, good luck with this project. And, well,
1: uh, I, I appreciate it, and and um, your positive energy just kind of shines through, Sue, and we, we really thank you for, for being part of American right. this Sunshine. Is, this,
0: is, this is one of the best countries. Once you know the history, you know that this country had the hand of providence upon it, and it is up to us to preserve it.
1: Well, God bless America. And I, yeah. and, I, and I, and I, and and, and Sue, thank you very much. And, uh, and thank you for American sunshine.
0: Thank you.